previously on The Avatar Returns. I was barely conscious when I watched these episodes. I'm just going to be upfront. I'm just going to be upfront about it. Uh, it's always great when any podcast starts off with the hosts making excuses. Remember, this is free. I, um, anyways, just note that midi chlorian bending is coming back before the end of this podcast. You are wrong. I can't trust any more of your opinions ever. I, I am bringing my A-game to this podcast. I, uh, it opens up on the Katara swimsuit edition, so that, that's always fun. I did not even remember Katara being in a swimsuit, so Paul, you are clearly the one with the problem. Who did not show them the, the hippie episode of Star Trek to point out why you don't do this? Whoa! 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 Someone just got fired from the podcast. Hello and welcome to The Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. I'm AJ. And each week we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. Uh, this week we continue Avatar Book 2 with chapters 204 through 206. That's The Swamp, Avatar Day, and The Blind Bandit. Eric and I have seen both of these series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar, which means there will be spoilers, but only up to the point we're discussing today. Uh, however, before we get into all of this... Uh, Eric, last week you made sort of a cruel tease about wanting to discuss. You had some point to make about my midichlorian bending joke. And I, oh no, no, that's not for this week. We're gonna have to wait on that one. Oh, that's down the line. Okay, that I is, it was that is fairly, fairly down the line. Where we, it'll, it will be in Avatar and not in Korra, but it will okay. not. So all right, <clears throat> well, good. I thought you had just deliberately, like, willfully ignored your responsibilities. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, it's just something to hold off on. It's, it'll be, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Well, in that case, I don't have anything to banter about. Um, I do, I do want to say that, uh, I think this may be one of potentially one of the more interesting discussions because I feel going into this, like, uh, Eric, you've sort of set expectations. I think I know what your expectations, uh, your low expectations for one of these episodes were, I feel like possibly AJ may share that low opinion. I don't know. I personally possible. I personally don't. And then Eric, you and I raised expectations for an episode. And I yes. I'm AJ was probably just messing with me, like he does from time to time, but I'm I he's trying to give me a vibe like he doesn't necessarily agree with that. So All right. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, let's uh crack our knuckles and get into this, shall we? So uh, the first one we're going to discuss is uh, episode 201, The Swamp. Um, episode 204. Uh, oh, you're right. I'm sorry, 204. I didn't change my episode numbers. Oh, no. Um, I I really want to let Eric go first, but we're going to stick with the – we'll stick with the theme of AJ being the noob. So, AJ, So, this was the one that last week Eric – was he was not happy about the fact that we were going to have to revisit this episode. Um, and so going into this, I was bound and determined to disagree with him. I want, I did not want to share the same opinion as Eric motherfucking Sipple. And sadly, I have to say, this is the worst episode of the show so far. <laughs> it, it is not, it's not, it's not good. It's, it's not good. It, it's bad on, like maybe like ninety percent 
of the levels that you would judge this show. There's like this tiny little kernels of okay things in it, primarily in what it sets up for later. But as an episode, this episode is kind of trash. Actually, okay. See, well, let's let's go deep into this because I disagree with you guys. Uh, literally, the only thing about this episode I don't like are the redneck swamp vendors. The the they take up so much of the episode, though, Paul. Actually, they take up significantly less of this episode than the uh, fucking townspeople in the next episode we're going to talk about take up in that episode. Um, it just feels like it, though. Their awfulness is so large that it, it it's it's magnified. They are actually not in this episode very much. You, but you are right. When they're on screen, they're pretty terrible. It's the and, fucking duck dynasty of Avatar. Yes. And, and they just, I mean, thing, and part of it is it's not that they have that much screen time, but they keep cutting back to it and they keep trying to make it some kind of like tense situation with them chasing Appa around. And it is unbearably horrible to watch them chase opera around everything about that and they're like stupid it tastes like frog chicken or whatever the hell what would a lemu need a shirt for (laughs) yeah there we go Um, can you imagine writing that line of dialogue and not committing like seppuku right after (laughs) (laughs) and and then and then and then really another problem is that it's not that the other plot is terrible but it is not nearly good enough to make up for the time you spend with the swamp people. See, this is the uh, this is the Angang goes to Dagobah uh, episode of the series. I, I I guess that's right. That 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 is correct. Um, I, I'll tell you. I want us to talk in depth about this episode since we're on such opposite extremes here. But um, I will say that the reason why I like this episode so much, first of all, uh, taken in these three episodes. And we'll get to Avatar Day, but that's the one that I single out of these three episodes as being the bad one. Um, I'm not I, fond of Avatar Day either. Just I feel it, that this but... one, I feel this one is significantly better than Avatar Day and does a lot more. Uh, it's better animated and it does more important stuff than Avatar, do, Avatar Day does. <clears throat> but like uh, the whole, the the idea of the world being one giant living organism, that's, that's an idea that I you know, I'm deeply invested in. Uh, and it's also pretty integral to the conceit of this series. And it goes on, Eric, you hinted, I mean, it kind of goes on to play a larger role in this, in this series and beyond. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I think that that was done well. I like that. I like that aspect of it. In fact, in my notes, okay, this is how detached from the Swamp Benders I was. I didn't learn their names. In my notes there, Swamp Bender 1, Swamp Bender 2, and Wise Swamp Bender. Cletus and Evan Rude are the <laughs> names I gave them. Their names are actually their names are actually Do and Tho, but I called them Cletus and Evan Rude. Which is just as good as Do and Tho. <laughs> um and, and Hugh is the wise Swamp Bender. He is. Yeah. Right. I I prefer to call him the WSB. Um <laughs> So I liked all of that. I liked the idea of the world being uh, one living organism. I, I think that's a great idea. And yeah, I can't judge it on whether or not it continues on. I believe you guys that it does. But I will just say this. So this episode already introduced the Duck Dynasty of Avatar. And then you hear lines like, this swamp is one living organism just like the world. We're all living together even if most folks don't act like it. Time is an illusion and so is death. This is... Avatar, the last true detective. 
I mean, all we needed was fucking him to look up in the sky and see the the cosmos parting. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a thing that happens in this show. You've got Aang going to the spirit world and all that craziness, but... Okay. Well, I... It was... It it wasn't... It's not a terrible episode. I don't think it's good. But I haven't seen a terrible episode of this show so far. I'm just going to ask you guys now. Well, I'll ask Eric, since he's the one who dislikes this, this episode. Is this the worst episode of Avatar? Um, in my memory, this is the episode I like the least. And and okay. it, it matched up to my level of memory. We'll see when we get further on. There might be an episode. I mean, there were episodes that I didn't think much of that I had totally forgotten, like The Great Divide, which I think this is worse than. And I've had people try to tell me The Great Divide is worse than this, and it is not worse than this um so i do think this is the low point of the show for me and 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 so. you know paul paul i do want to say to your to your point about the other stuff that's interesting i do agree that there's some interesting stuff in this which is what makes it at all watchable for me my problem is that i don't think it is i think the execution on the good stuff is lacking and the execution on the bad stuff is atrocious and that's why the episode doesn't work for me it's not that there isn't good stuff it's just that even the good stuff isn't all that well presented so you'd sort of have to like intellectually connect with the good stuff because you're not getting a lot of like emotional investment because the characters basically just run through the swamp the whole time and then fight an admittedly cool looking plant monster thing. Yeah. The swamp, and, swamp and, kaiju is what I called it. Yes. Nice. And I, I liked the fat like the mirages that they see. I like, you know, like Hugh says, the swamp reminds them, you know, of the loved ones that have have passed on, how they're still connected to them. You know, Katara sees their mother. Um, Sokka sees Yue, who in in this vision tells him, you know, you 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 didn't protect me. Um, and then interestingly, Aang sees someone else who he doesn't know, who we actually get to meet later on in these three episodes. You know, this is hilarious. For just a split second, in my notes, I have that written very mysteriously. Aang sees, I said, Katara sees her mother, Sokka sees Yui, uh, Aang sees someone, question mark, because I wrote it that way because I was like, AJ doesn't know who that is. We have to be sneaky. <laughs> and as you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, he watched all three of fucking episodes. Of course he knows who that is. <laughs> um, I have a question because I honestly, I don't know if I missed it. Did we find out why they got, like, cycloned down into the swamp? No. Okay. Do we find out in these three episodes at all? N- no. Okay. I, mean, I, did, it, I didn't think so. I just wanted to make sure it's, I didn't miss that detail. It, uh, I, I think it's just implied that the swamp had a lesson to teach them or something. It's the same okay. reason. It's the same reason why the first time Luke goes to Dagobah for some fucking reason, he can't land his X-Wing fighter. Uh, he has to crash into the swamp, and then the second time he goes back, he lands just fine. Got it, got it. Uh, one thing, as with the the weaker episodes last week, um, the Zuko and Iroh stuff is mm-hmm. is good, even though there's much less of it here. Mm-hmm. But I liked um, uh, Iroh, Zuko and Iroh begging for change, Iroh singing for his supper, or as that one asshole says, nothing like a fat man dancing for his dinner. Yep. Um, and then I like that... Uh, the blue spirit yeah. makes a return. Yes. Getting revenge on that asshole at the end. Zuko's plot is just is so much better at this point. It is. Than, than really the, is. Ang, the Ang Gang. I don't know who came up with Ang Gang. Was that you? That, that was me. Cool. Okay. You're it was welcome. great. Um, so, no, it's, I mean, because really, and Ang still continues 
honestly, through almost these three episodes as well, to be yanked along by plot, while Zuko gets to be, have interesting character stuff going I on. I agree. I agree. In so, fact, one, one of my notes, um, in fact, I think it was during Avatar Day, was uh, the Zuko Iroh show. Because at that point, like, that's what I'm watching. I'm watching for the Zuko Iroh show. The <laughs> gang's not really doing it for me this week. Man. I, don't, I, I, I want to spend more time on this episode so I can, uh, so I can put together a, a reasoned defense. But it doesn't sound like we have a lot to say about well, is it. There, what, is there more that you respond to in this episode? Because if you want to talk more about it, we can talk more about it. Um, like what, like why, I don't know what, what makes you want to defend it? Well, I mean, part of it is just my knee jerk reaction to anyone calling it the worst episode of the series, which I, I, I don't remember. I feel like the worst episodes of the series were in season one and that's just based on season one, uh, you know, season one condition or whatever, where they're still finding their footing. Um, like Eric said, there may be episodes in the future that I have just forgotten uh, are worse than this, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I Whenever someone says it's the worst episode of the series, I want to find some reason to, to prove that that's not true. And then when I rewatching it, I was like, that's, it's not true. This literally the only thing about the episode I don't like are the rednecks and they are actually just not on screen that much but but they they are absolutely without a doubt the gungans of the avatar verse oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. you are you are absolutely correct there um i mean i love the whole connectedness stuff i feel like the uh, the reason i keep mentioning uh liking the animation in this um not only because it just struck me as you know, really good animation. I mean, when you animate a swamp, you can go uh, a couple ways. You could just wash the entire background in uh, green and brown and, and hope that people imagine that there's a swamp, or you can fucking draw a detailed swamp with, you know, with uh, plant life and all that. I feel like they did a good job with that. And we're going to talk about animation again in the next episode. <laughs> um, I really did like the visual of Katara sending the blades of water after yes. a swamp thing. Yeah, so that is... I guess that's what I'm going to have the most to say about is that fight because um, I, I loved the I love the swamp creature I love the swamp kaiju thing or whatever uh, it's an interesting use of water bending uh, it, it looks visually cool and it was pretty threatening I mean you know everything they threw at it it just regrew from um, but yeah I loved the way that Aang and particularly Katara were forced to to fight it like her surfing around on the water and uh, uh, parting the parting the swamp so she can run on the ground and freezing it to get Sokka out and then yeah absolutely those sort of loops of water that sliced it apart that was all just yeah I, I, I like that stuff yeah the, the fight the fight was really good I have I have um, very positive things to feel about that and you, I mean, I agree with you, Paul. That I think that that what you're saying is is that you don't feel this is the worst episode because there is good stuff in it. And and I and I get that. I for me, the balance is all off, and actually, in a lot of ways, the bad stuff hurts the good stuff. And the fact that there is one of these obnoxious swamp people, although the least obnoxious of the swamp people, but still one of the obnoxious swamp people is integral to the good part of the plot, <laughs> makes that really hard to escape. So it all feels. It all feels very wrapped into itself, and all, it is all connected, unfortunately. <laughs> and and so it becomes hard for me to separate the bad stuff from the good stuff in this episode. 
All right. Uh, is there any good stuff, anything salvageable from this episode for you guys? The, for me, it's the fight and the Zuko yeah. stuff. The I, Zuko I stuff. agree with that. Okay. And I did like Appa and Momo like on their own against nature. There wasn't a lot of that, but that, that was kind of fun. Appa another, slapping Momo with his tail. Yes. Another another good idea ruined by... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, so you wanted just a, a, a road trip episode with just Momo and Appa? I would love that. Like a, like a silent uh, road trip. Like a... Yeah. I, I would love yeah. that. That would be great. Cool. Make it happen, Paul. This show's been off the air for like years, but make I'll, it happen. I'll see what I can do. A spinoff series. There are uh, plush Appas and Momos out there that you can buy. Just... Oh boy. There. oh boy oh boy i really need to find like a plush appa i want it life-size i want it to be like a, a sofa <laughs> um all right well i guess there I, there's not much more to say about this episode we did get the return of the blue spirit which i thought yes. i mean that was like a fist pump moment for me yeah um, and it carries over into the next episode which is yes, fortunate because that's probably the only thing so uh to to oversimplify um, the only thing I hated about the swamp were the swamp benders. Um, and the only thing that I like about Avatar Day is the kind of out of nowhere, but still amusing Sokka as Sherlock. So- Sokka Holmes. Yeah, so this is another not good episode. You know, like, yeah. I mean, like, on the whole, this is not a good episode. But this have, has a couple of things going for it that I think balance it out to be more watchable than the Swamp episode for me, even though the the town – everything involving the actual town is just excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Sherlock Holmes uh, – uh, sorry, um, Sokka's Sherlock Holmes and desperation to have props as like a combination <laughs> plot is wonderful. Um, again, the Zuko Iroh stuff was great. And I do like the the moment when Avatar Kyoshi shows up and she's yes. like, oh, I totes killed yeah. that guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was I think the strong. Uh, actually, so this episode, um, Avatar Day, I don't think I'm as down on it as you guys are. I don't think it's a great episode by any means, but it is uh, definitely more watchable than the Swamp. And actually, I think that sequence uh, where uh, Kiyoshi uh, shows up and admits her guilt, like proudly admits her guilt, I think that might actually be the strongest sequence in any of these three episodes. I don't know if I agree with that, but it is a pretty good sequence. It's it's the strongest sequence in this episode, absolutely. And unfortunately, to get there, we have to see Aang, you know, in drag as Kiyoshi. Oh, that was funny! Come on, I love that. I also I, I what loved... I really like about it is that he's like really like comfortable for the most part. Like he doesn't really have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know? Yeah, that, like, that's great. I just didn't. I just did not think it was funny. I... But hey, you don't believe in the power of props, like. Like Sokka. Here's your produce ponytail guy. I used to be boomerang guy. Yeah. I love that his response was, I believe in the power of props when she does that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I cannot remember what chapter it was of season one where we were talking about animation and I said that, uh, you know, there are different animation studios that have handled various episodes. Whatever episode it was that we were sort of complaining about the the art, I looked it up and I said the animation that the studio that did this one was called DR Movie. Do you remember this? I do. That's the same studio that did this one. So uh, at least they're consistent. I I did not care <laughs> for the animation in this one at all. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It, it looked it looked a lot cheaper than the show usually does. Yeah. 
I mean, it's still, it's still good animation. It's, it's not like it's the worst thing on TV, but, right? Uh, uh, even in 2006, but. Um... So okay, let, let's talk about this episode. The, the the what I like about this episode is that they find a town that is actually very. Uh, it's not a Fire Nation town that's actually very anti-Avatar. I like that in theory. The fact that they have a day every year where they burn the avatars in effigy, which in my notes, by the way, I typed as agify. <laughs> they, okay. they they burn them and they 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 agify them. <laughs> um, I like the idea of that, but this did turn into the the silliest possible version of that. I think last week, uh, Eric, we we were talking. I, I had mentioned that. Um, I you know I I kept I, I was feeling bad that I kept mentioning that like well for a Nickelodeon show, um, and you had mentioned that you you never quite got past the fact that it was a Nickelodeon show because Nickelodeon kept having to make this be a Nickelodeon show, and I I, I felt that so much this week because with first with the Swamp and then again with Avatar Day, which is it's silly in a way that. Uh, the show has been silly before. It's been really funny, but this is silly in a way that's really just. This is more than almost any other episode of the show. Like this one is it made me realize this was a kids show. Yeah, it has it has none of the moral complexity in the way it actually plays out that it's kind of aiming for. Like somewhere behind the scenes is this idea that the Avatar did kill this guy and he needed to be killed, um, but they don't really resolve that through any real conversation. They sort of drop it, and then then Aang gets the boiled in oil wheel of justice, and then these convenient, out-of-nowhere bounty hunters show back up, which you knew they were going to because they showed up in the beginning in a really awkwardly put-together battle. Yeah. And then they show back up for another really awkwardly put-together battle so that Aang can save the town, which he, I don't even know if you can count what they did as saving the town because they man of steel the hell out of that town. <laughs> and... And then it was like, okay, you're good. Have a nice day. <laughs> they man of steel the hell out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a scene. Those where... guys were called the Rough Rhinos, by the way. That's what they're the called. The Rough Rhinos. Yep. Really, I think that's like a biker gang in it, the next it's... town over. Yeah. They they did actually name. And Paul's right. They did. That is correct. That that is their name. Yep. That's wonderful. Um, there's like a moment in this episode with the townspeople where someone actually turns around and farts at Aang. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's that's pretty much where this episode is. Yeah. Um, I don't see. I feel bad that these these two episodes, the swamp, and then this, were in a row, or were back to back, because I really don't have a lot to say about this. Um, in fact, watching those two episodes back to back, like I had a sinking feeling, like, oh no, is this Avatar season two? Is this, is this the sophomore slump <laughs> I always hear about? Because after. I maybe it's because we I was spoiled by the like by how great the the season one finale was like how great the, the some episodes were in the the closing stretch of season one, but so far I'm not I'm not nearly as into season two. Hmm. Well, I let's test that with the next episode. But uh, before we move on, uh, well, Eric, is there anything about this episode you want to talk about in particular? We really didn't talk a lot about the Zuko stuff, and I think it's worth talking yeah. about yeah. because okay. yeah, is yeah. and I and I'm I'm sorry I'm, I'm I can't remember I don't think Zuko is not in the next episode correct like all the that's Zuko right. plot we got okay I just want to make sure before I said anything um yeah no his his kind of falling out with Iroh is heartbreaking yes it is and and I I do love the blue spirit stuff because on one hand you kind of want to fist pump whenever um Zuko's kicking 
obnoxious people's butts. But on the other hand, it's like such a fall for mm -hmm. him. And you can see that Iroh just desperately wants to this to not be where Zuko's anger is going. But I love that what Zuko's response to this all is the pettiest possible anger. Yeah. And I think they really are playing that well. Everything they've been doing wrong with like the other side plots with Aang is getting right here, which is why I don't despair too much mm -hmm. on this because the Zuko stuff is not is everything that the other plots have not been for me. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I, I also I also made the note that the Zuko Iroh split is heartbreaking. Um, you know, these two episodes, we get to see, uh, again, just an example of how um, Iroh really tries to sort of live life, not live, well, yeah, live life to the fullest, but he just tries to be positive no matter what the situation is. And Iroh has not learned that lesson from his uncle yet. Zuko. <laughs> or Zuko, yeah, sorry. Uh, Zuko has not learned that lesson from his uncle yet. What I like is that, that it's really clear that Iroh is just super happy to be able to hang out with Zuko. Yeah. Like that's like this whole like poverty having to beg thing is like no big deal for him because it's actually better than the days when he was traveling around on a boat trying to catch the avatar. This is just what he wants is just to like be with his nephew sort of adopted son. And it's really kind of heartwarming that, seeing that. Yeah. Um, where, uh, oh, here it is. Uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. There's a simple honor in poverty is something that he tells tells Zuko. That whole conversation that he has where he, he really tries to have a heart-to-heart -heart with Zuko and it's just not going anywhere. Z Zuko's takeaway from that is, uh, then there's no hope at all. Yeah. And, and then he comes back and he's like, I really thought about what you said, and I have nothing more to learn from you. I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah. The, the disconnect for me here is that you ha we have this this other subplot where a character says you know there's a simple honor in poverty and then it's being contrasted with all of the very silly nickelodeon style shenanigans in the, in the other episodes or in the rest of the episodes I, it, that's as much as i love the zuko iroh stuff that disconnect is kind of tripping me up uh so far in book two i mean there have been i i liked all the episodes last week and especially the premiere but i i'm so much more invested in the zuko iroh show than i am in in anything else right now i, I think it's pretty clear that in this first stretch of season two they just weren't sure what to do with ang and like they, it feels like they're kind of treading water until the rest of the world is in a place where ang can finally start interacting with it again because all we've really gotten is ang's uh, trip to get an earthbender which is to be fair what season one's thing was for him finding a waterbending master but there was an awful lot of new information about the world and ang coming to terms with the state of the world after he'd left and a lot of that just isn't here right now most of what we're getting right now is the closest we get is ang seeing how bad the war is going for everyone else and that the fire nation is very clearly winning so that is good. But other than that, there just isn't a whole lot that they seem to have to say with the Ang stuff right now. And I, I do I, I do know I know that changes eventually. I'm not exactly sure when in season two it changes on the whole, but it, it this is not the long term with Ang, but it's definitely been not the best early stretch. Um I would agree with you there. Uh to try and put a positive spin on it. What did I just do to my computer? To try and put a positive spin on it, uh you know, it might be uh, it might be less that they don't know what to do with Ang, like the that the writers are sort of struggling, 
uh, and more to do with the fact that maybe Aang is kind of treading water. Like he, he's the end of season one brought him to a point where he's, he kind of is emotionally treading water. Well, he doesn't see, really Paul, know that, what to do. That's the problem. Uh, the book one was water. This is this is book two, Earth. He should be treading Earth. Treading Earth. Okay. Wow. We'll see. Someone cut, cut AJ's mic before he does. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. Um. All right. Let's see. What other good stuff do we? Uh, we get the return of foaming at the mouth guy, which I'm always, I'm always happy to see that guy which, return. Which totally paid off in a great like. He gets up and realizes Aang's not there, wipes off his mouth, and like skitters away. Yeah. 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 It's a, it a pretty great visual. Um. Uh, Sokka had a few good lines. I mean, the episode starts with, what are you doing in my mouth? Come on. Yes, that was pretty... Oh, that was in that episode. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and let's see. Uh, not much else. I mean, obviously, uh, again, way back when we first saw um, Avatar Roku appear to, to other people so that other people could actually see him, Um Eric, you and I both were like, I don't remember if this is a thing that keeps going. Clearly it is. I don't know why we couldn't you guys remember this. Have, haven't, you guys have not actually seen the show, have you? <laughs> yeah, I'm just making it up as I go along. I, I can't believe how... How did I forget that this is like a every two to three episode occurrence? Right? Yeah. I don't I don't understand either. But it was it was great to see Kiyoshi. Um, and what else do we have? Boomerang, you do always come back. Really, Sokka is what holds that episode together like, yeah. on the whole. Like that's why I like it more than the the um, Swamp episode. Is Sokka's whole? I love what I love about it is it rides the balance really well of Sokka being kind of a fool with like continually yelling at Katara because he wants to solve stuff, but Sokka actually being pretty good at it at the same time. Like mm-hmm. Sokka's not an idiot and unable to solve this mystery. He's just like so desperate to be the only one solving the mystery that he acts like an ass. And I kind of like that they strike that balance, and it's not an easy balance to strike, and they do a really good job with it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess there's no point in <laughs> putting this off any further. Uh, we can move into The Blind Bandit, the third of our episodes. Um, the, the the sippy cup is conflicted about what AJ is going to say now. Right? I, okay, I'm, so... I'm terrified here, so AJ... I think it's I'm going to blame you guys for this one because last week you said there's like oh there's a big one there's a big one coming and then after I was disappointed by the first two I like the blind bandit I don't I I don't know necessarily that I think it's one of the better episodes of the show I I enjoyed it certainly much more than uh the swamp or avatar day and I really like the character that it introduces uh but to me, this is not a, like a, a, a hallmark of the show. It's not like a, a milestone episode. Uh, AJ, you know, I would, I would agree with you on that. I, I, what, for us, I think what we were really excited about was, was twofold. I can only speak for myself, but I think Paul's pretty close. A, it's introducing Toph, who is a not, not surprisingly a fan favorite and a favorite of mine as well. I mm-hmm. love Toph. Toph is an amazing character. And the other thing is, is I am <clears throat> continually amused by the pro wrestling stuff. In this episode, which I think is a, a them in goofy form that works. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I, I'm glad. I'm glad conflicted. to hear th- what Paul. I said the boulder is conflicted about fighting a little girl. Do you know how long it took me to realize that was a parody of The Rock? Oh come on. Yeah, no, it was bad. It was bad. Um, I'm glad to hear though that Toph is a fan favorite because I, I assume that means she becomes like a crucial 
part of the show, or at least a significant part, because I, I really like her. Uh, I was telling Paul before um, we started do, we started recording that uh, I, it's cool that Daredevil is part of the Avatar universe. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't aware of that, um, and the fact that he, that he's a little girl in, in this show is awesome. Yeah, Toph is great, and yes, Toph will be a a significant character going forward. I'm not. I'm. There's something that I'm not going to play games on and pretending like Toph is not going to be around is would just be a lie. And Toph is great, and and for me, Toph is the piece that makes the Ang Gang come together. I feel like one of the reasons that, especially, we feel like we've been treading water early in season two is the lack of what Toph eventually brings to the group, mm-hmm. because the other three of them have very similar kinds of personalities on in terms of how they interact with each other like they're all relatively friendly they banter but Toph is acerbic and a little a little angry and she brings something to the group that that is missing I mean I don't if if Xander if Tosaka is the Xander of the group Toph is in some ways the Anya of the group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would agree with that that's beautiful and, and it helps it really helps to bring her in so I think that I'm not sure because, again, I don't remember all the details, but I feel like the Aang stuff is going to start turning around at this point because we have Toph in the group and it's going to finally add the – the and I say conflict in, in a more gen- general sense, not in like an angry, fighty sense. It's going to add the conflict that we have been lacking up till now in their plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, what uh, – to be vague about future spoilers, whatever form the Aang gang takes by the end of the series, you know, however many characters there are or aren't, whatever, whatever it looks like through the entire first season, it was, it was odd to talk about it with a newbie because I, I think of this group having Toph in it. See, that's, that's amazing to me because I I was not aware that there was another, like there, there was another Scooby. I wasn't aware that there was another core member of the gang. That's great. I'm really excited to see her continue on because I, I really liked her. In this episode, I like the fact that, you know, her she's being extremely overprotected by her parents. Her dad uh, describes her as blind and tiny and helpless and fragile. And she everything she does is to prove that she's not. And I, I, I think that's going to be great going forward. I didn't know that. That's, that's, that's exciting. And one thing I really like about Toph getting added is that it's a crew full of, of amateurs at this point, except for Toph, who is, as her her supposed earthbending teacher says the best earthbender she's he's ever seen mm-hmm. and so we're getting an earthbender who is i mean she takes on the entire crew like it's nothing yeah so i like that we get someone in the group who is not to say she's not still learning she's immature she's still she's still very young and has immaturity things to overcome but as far as her her combat skill goes and her bending skill she is not someone who needs to be learning new things on right on the regular the way that um katara and ang have to so i like in, that in fact one of the things that ang is impressed by her when uh they're at the the wwe match um he makes the comment she waited and listened which goes back to what uh boomy was talking about uh yeah. neutral jing um yeah. and I, I i like that uh that callback to that because that's something that ang ang obviously is very hyper has a lot of energy and that's something that he needs to learn and I like that now we have this character who, who that that's part of her fighting style. That's part that's part of who she is. Yeah. And how well realized are those fights? Let's, oh, those uh, are great. Let's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how to go through this. Like I took very few notes on this episode because basically my feelings on this episode are. Yes, it's finally here. Like, this is the episode I've been building towards. And um, 
AJ, you're right. We probably did oversell it to you just because of our feelings for that character. But uh, I do generally. It would be kind of like, to go back to the Buffy thing, it would be kind of like if I kept telling someone that, no, Schoolheart is amazing. Um, but I was just excited because it's the one where, where we get to meet Spike. Right. Because it's not it's more of a pivotal episode than a great episode. Yeah. Right. How, however, I do think that this actually is a legitimately good episode. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, and so is Schoolheart. I mean, that's a good, a yeah. really good comparison. Yeah. Um, like, I feel, uh, since we've been talking about the animation, I feel like this episode was very well animated. I love the art in this. Um, I love the design of the the town that they're in. Uh, and of Toph, I love Toph's look, um, and and I think Aang's little Earthbender training outfit is fucking adorable. <laughs> I I would wear that. Would you? Would. would you wear it and then take a picture of yourself and put it on our <laughs> website at theavatarreturns.com? Sure. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Um, Holding you to that. Okay, uh, we get some good. So- there was good Sokka and Katara stuff in this because Sokka's whole. I, I identify way too much painfully with Sokka's shopping spree with his. Do I need this? I really don't need this. Okay, I'm gonna buy it. I mean, that's... I, my, one of my favorite lines of the episode was at the uh, the Earth bending tournament. Katara just looks so dispirited, and she has this line: "This is just gonna be a bunch of guys chucking rocks at each other, isn't it?" Yeah. And then Sokka <laughs> responds. That's what I paid for. Sokka in the audience is fucking great. I loved him. Uh, it, the boulder knows how to put the hurt in the dirt. Woo! How did they How did they manage to pull this wrestling? But, you know, when you think about this is not that different. And this tells you the, how, how important execution is. Because on a silliness level, describing it, this is no different than let's put rednecks in it. Yeah. You know, like conceptually speaking, let's put professional wrestling in Avatar is just as stupid of an idea. Yeah, on paper, as, I would be like, I, w- I would look at them and I'd be like, no, don't do it. What if, what are you doing? But they somehow managed to like nail the like elemental nature of, of like WWE wrestling while yeah. also making it entertaining and somehow kind of fit into the, the world. And of course the earthbenders would have this. Like of right, course yeah. it would be the earthbender sport. Yeah. And I love, I love, love, love um, the Earthbenders fighting style. So cool watching that in action. Uh, Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Because I've, I've said a couple times, AJ, that I can't wait for, for you to accept Earthbending into your life, um, (laughs) into your heart. Uh, And really, like Earthbending in general, I've just been excited to see that uh, if, it's not the style I would choose for myself personally, but I've been waiting for this to, to come into the series. And it's probably because of Toph, which is a little unfair to earthbending because not only do they, do they call out in the episode, the fact that Toph is like the best earthbender they've ever seen. And uh, she clearly has like a unique style. Uh, She's had to create a unique style. Um, But as we said at the very beginning of this whole project, uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that um, each of the bending styles is is based on like real world martial arts styles that they they really put a lot of thought and effort and and uh, uh, coordination into making this work. Um, they actually uh, came up with an entirely separate style for Toph. So um, the series fight coordinator Sifu Kisu that I talked about, he's the one that came up with all this, the various styles. Um, he actually brought in another, a friend of his, another martial arts master, uh, Sifu Manuel Rodriguez, who's a master of something called Southern Praying Mantis, Southern Praying Mantis style, which apparently is very, very rare. 
Uh, and the reason why he went to this guy is because there's a legend around that martial arts style that says that it was created, uh, you know, centuries ago by a blind woman. And I've watched uh, sort of behind the scenes features on the discs for this. So I've seen uh, interviews with Manuel Rodriguez and I've seen him uh, like d showing choreography and teaching them about the style. And he is, he's a very large, he looks more like uh, the hippo, the what was his name? The, uh, the wrestler. He's a, he's a very large overweight man does not look like, I mean, he looks kind of like the comic book guy from Simpsons D does not look like a martial artist at all. Uh, but when he demonstrates the style and, uh, it looks very much like Toph, the way she was moving with her hands out, kind of facing backwards and sliding her feet along the ground when he, when he does that and he has people come at him, it's, it is devastating. It's fascinating to watch someone, uh, that looks so out of place being such a physical badass. That's uh, awesome. So I, cool. I just love seeing that translated into this tiny little blind girl. Yeah. And I, you know, one thing I also really like about it is that it does reach back. You know, there's the, the daredevil joke is, is totally valid, but I like that this reaches back to a really, you know, common uh, Kung Fu trope, which is the blind master. Yeah. You know, this is, this is something we get and stuff. And it's usually some old guy. Right. So making it a, a, a like a twelve year old girl is just wonderful that uh, that she's the blind master and it is and in fact her style though having the daredevil like like uh, echo wave through the yeah. earth is very very is very cool. I also like that that listening to footsteps thing mm -hmm. that way in the way it's even handled and shot is very similar. If you watch like a a fight between people who in kung fu, then one of them can't see is that is exactly how they approach it. There's lot, shooting it there. lots of rack focuses on someone's ears yeah, and then, and lots of like foot moves and then head cocks and stuff yeah. like that. So and they the really, little, they really lean into that. I and the it. little smile at the corner of the mouth. Yeah. Um, and also there's a great, like the, every single fight sequence with Toph in it was brilliant from top to bottom. But the scene that just sticks in my head is when Ang gets in the ring with her and she like, she first attacks him and he kind of floats up out of the way and you get that slow. There's a lot of slow motion <laughs> in these fight sequences. You get that slow motion shot of just his feet as he's kind of hovering above the ground and he moves over to the side and you see the look of confusion on Toph's face. Um, I don't know. There's something about that that I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so well handled. Everything about it, it communicates perfectly what her powers are. She comes off as fantastic. It's just a, it's just great uh, in, in so many ways, and I'm I'm really I'm really excited to have her in the group, and I'm excited to have Earth Mending more present. And I promise you, AJ, that if you like Toph at all now, I can't imagine that there's any way you won't continue to like her more and more as the as the show goes on. That's awesome. She uh, way back in the oh, what was the episode? The Fortune Teller. Um, do you remember the little character, the, the little girl with the hair that stuck out to the sides, Meng? Do you remember her? Uh, yes. That was, uh, and I said the actress, Jessie Flower, that does that voice is going to come back as another character. That's right. That's tough. So um, apparently they had, they had liked her performance as Meng so much that for a while they were talking about making that character a regular. Like they wanted to bring that character into the group. <laughs> I think this was a better, a better solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also some background on Toph, they, as they were conceptualizing her, she was originally going to be a big, tough, uh, man. In fact, 
I'm going to have to research this and see if it's true. But as I'm saying this, I feel like I had read somewhere that the Earthbender in the opening credits that I I said I think last week we still haven't figured out who that is. I think that was the original design for Toph. And and let's and I just want us to put a pin in this idea because eventually before the end of this series that that change in character will pay off in a funny joke. <laughs> okay. All right. I I hope that you remember what I'm talking about, Paul. I, but I, I I will have to think about it. I'm I'm sure if you were to whisper it to me, I'd go, "Oh yeah, of course." I, I'm certain. In fact, we it, it it takes there's a an absolutely classic episode near the end of the show that that will um will pay off that incongru- make it'll make that even funnier. It'll make a joke there even funnier knowing that information. So, oh, okay. All right. Um, but yeah, it was good. It's good to get tough, and I'm feeling excited. I know that we have one. One, I think, really great episode coming up in the next batch. I actually can't remember the other two, but I think that I, I get the. I think we are getting into the turnaround point of season two at this point. We're at least pretty close to the turnaround point. Yeah. Uh, no, there's really good stuff coming up. I can't. I'm. I'm looking at the three episodes for next week, and I. I. I find myself in your position, Eric, where I can't remember what any of these are. Actually, I, that's not true. I remember. I do remember what one of them is. Yeah, I remember I one a, of them. Good. I have a question about it's. It's like a minor detail, but something I was curious about, and maybe you guys know from future episodes. But without spoiling anything too much, what is the standing of like uh, Toph's parents in the Earthbending community? Because I get obviously they're very wealthy, and I, I are, are they important in any way? Is that something that we'll learn? They, they are. I think they are very, they are the kind, they're very rich, I think yeah. is really what it comes down to. They're, they have the kind of power that you would expect from a really rich family. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I don't think, I don't think it's ever revealed that they're related to the king or anything like that. They're just, they have a lot of money that they can throw around. So that was a, that was a great way to end the episode, actually, uh, with Toph running away from home, basically. And, you know, some stories, even quote unquote sophisticated stories, would have just left it at that. Um, but this show decides to remind you, oh, I mean, her parents aren't just going to let her run away. Yeah, dad is telling the, uh, the WWE guy and, uh, and Master Yu that uh, the Avatar has kidnapped his daughter and he offers a reward. Yep. By the way, WWE guy, what is his name? <laughs> um, I just had it. Uh, it's like Shifu or something like that. Sinfu? Sinfu, there you go. Yeah. Okay, because I had a note in here that was just Sinfu. I could not remember the context. But doesn't that sound like a great, like, imagine, like, doing martial arts battle with, like, the seven deadly sins? Like, Sinfu. <laughs> yeah. It's the sequel to Shaq-Fu. So, so AJ, how do you spell Toph? I I had to, okay. I was looking at the, the Avatar wiki page for this episode, so I, oh. I had the correct you spelling. Cheated. You cheated. Without, oh, without that, though, I... Because for for a while there, I couldn't tell if it was it was if it was like tough or tough. I probably would have somehow worked in a GH or something. <laughs> it would have been horrible as per usual. I feel so bad we were denied the yeah, the monkey Yahtzee version of tough. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Uh, what else? Uh, I mistyped Momo as Moo though. Nice. That it was just Moo 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 or just Moo. Just Moo. Wow, that's depressing. Appa and Moo. How 
how do you did you just miss the m or did you type an extra o i'm trying to figure out how you misplaced the m for the o I, yes i i apparently i was i was typing so quickly i missed the second m okay. you were so desperate to get out of the swamp episode which is yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um one of my favorite uh like uh, this is going to kill Eric. One of my favorite gifs, there I said it, uh, is the Sokka moment when they're, after they've just gotten the information from those two, like, earthbending punks. And I Katara. Them in, my, in my notes as those two douchebags. There you go. Um, that's probably what they are in the script. Uh, when Katara is walking out and she's like, points at her eyes, she's like, I've got my eyes on you. <laughs> and uh, Sokka just walked, like, Cuts his hands across his neck. He's like, water tribe. (laughs) (laughs) So brilliant. And, and, you know, little moments like that do show you how much better the animation was in this episode. Mm -hmm. Because their gestures were perfect, too. It wasn't just a funny joke, but her little, like, I got my eyes on you gesture was great. And his, like, water tribe gesture was great. Like, that was just such a well-animated little moment. And right before that, when they first walked in and, and met those guys... They're, they look up at him and they're like, oh, it's you guys again. And it, and Katara just like, I don't even know how to describe what it is where you do that kind of like moving forward, really, you know, just sort of flinching at them or whatever. And they're, and they back off. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Cause she kicked fucking, their ass. I fucking before. love Katara. Yeah. Katara is so great. And I just realized I have a note here that sounds much more hardcore than it actually is out of context. Uh, <laughs> my note was Katara ices those two douchebags, <laughs> which, which I'm realizing now sounds a little different than what she does. That was a, that was a beautiful moment though, even if she didn't actually ice them in that. It was a literal icing as opposed to the figurative icing that I would have preferred. But I love that she's like, hey, hey, come back here, strong guys. And then, and then yeah. I... All right, we have to keep talking, guys. We haven't even filled an hour yet. What's going on here? Well, this is the problem when you have an episode filled with swamp rednecks. I just don't... Honestly, <laughs> honestly, Paul, I blame your scheduling. Oh, okay. You're the one who put these together. Well, how would I possibly... I mean, seeing your reaction to the swamp and uh, Avatar Day, how, what else could I have done with those besides cut them out of the rotation entirely? You could have done that. Could have. No, we. There's no way I'm letting someone watch this show without suffering through the swamp episode. <laughs> I bet. That's just. I mean, this this episode. I, I was dreading getting back to it. Like when I think of the bad things in Avatar, the swamp people are at the top of the list. They are easily the worst thing. Whether or not like you, it ruins the episode for you. I feel pretty comfortable saying they're the worst thing in Avatar in all of Avatar or and Korra. I, I'm I'm at least glad that I got to experience Swampy McConaughey. Yes. Swampy McConaughey. Oh, man. All right. Well, do we really not have anything else to say about this? I was was worried that we were going to have to be careful about how we talked about Toph so that we would avoid spoilers. So I guess we can't, Eric, we can't really rave as much about the character as we want to. No, we're just going to have to to experience it as we go. I think that, um, I think that we've, I think that we've covered what we can cover there um, and we're going to get more stuff. I mean, we're the, the, the thing is, I think that just, I think that we're having a hard time finding a ton of stuff to say because the show is in a lot of ways treading water right now as it approaches um, the epic awesomeness of most of the bossing say stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 so you could say 
It's treading water before it can break new ground. Water, earth. I tied it together. I, Paul, when I asked you to cut AJ's mic, I actually meant it. <laughs> I, if I had that power, I would have used it years ago, man. I can't. I, there's nothing I can do about it. Ugh, it's terrible. terrible <laughs> Thank AJ. you. Feel, you should feel embarrassed. You should be banished to the swamp for the rest of the week. <laughs> I'm incapable of feeling shame. This is very true. It's very true. All right. You know what? Just to fill a little bit of time, I'm going to... Uh, AJ, do you have the list of the next three episodes we're going to look at, the next three chapters? I do. I want you to speculate based on episode titles where you think we're going. Really? Yeah. So <clears throat> is this a new a new recurring feature on the show? Maybe. I just, I, I'm not letting us out of here at only 45 minutes. It's killing me. Okay. So Zuko alone, wild guess, Zuko is going to be alone. Um, <laughs> wow. I imagine in a in a room crying. <laughs> about how he's a petty little bitch. Um, that's where I think that one's going. It's just it's 20 minutes of him crying alone in a room. Yeah. Um, the Chase, I assume, is when uh, renowned Sopranos creator David Chase comes to the world of Avatar to give them a, a, some pointers about crafting ambiguous endings. Okay. Um, okay. And Bitter Work... Um, I imagine they come upon some disgruntled dock worker. He's hmm. bitter about his his work. Interesting. So that's going to be the unionization episode. That's going to be the Wire season two. Of there we go. Avatar. That is a Wire title, isn't it? Bitter work is totally a Wire. Title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I remember Zuko alone. I do not have the barest inkling of what the chase or bitter work is. I, I, I have no idea whatsoever. Exactly. It's the same. Zuko alone was the one that I remembered as I was looking at it. So. Because it's the experimental one where it's a shot of him crying for 20 minutes. It's a single take. Wait. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so excited. Yeah. Are his tears in French? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to watch and see. Oh, man. So, oh, my God. so I have... I have something that that I want us to do. Um, it, maybe at the end of the show, Paul. Um, maybe we'll do it at the end of Avatar and at the end of Korra. We'll okay. see if, if it changes, or we can do it at the ends of seasons going forward. But I think maybe the ends of the shows might be good. I would like us to say, as we get to the end of these milestones, what bending style we would like. You had said that that the earth bending would not be what you want, but I would like us to check in every once in a while and see if we still feel that way. Okay. There. I want to know what bender would we want to be. I mean, since you brought it up now, do we want to say? I mean, it's kind of hard for you and I, Eric, since we've seen the whole show. But the, but the thing is, I'm my perception of things are changing as I'm watching, and I think that okay. it would, would. I think that it actually says something that if if our if our feelings on things change as we go. Okay. Do you want us to do it now, or do you want us to wait? It's up to you, Paul. It's your show. <laughs> this you is our show. Time? Let's do it. This is our show. But let's uh, do it. Let's let's check in. This is our. We're, you know, we're getting close to the midpoint of Avatar Yeah. right now. So let's see what what is our bending style that we would like. It doesn't have to be our favorite bending style, but what, would you, what bender would you want to be? Let's start uh, with you, Paul, because you, you actually with me. brought this up. You brought this up. Um, I, you know, because I can't swim and I'm terrified of water, I should say water bending because that could actually save my life. But no, I've always um, – I've always – wished to imagine myself as an airbender how come uh maybe because it's sort of the temperament that i wish that i had i think i'm probably temperamentally cut out to be a firebender <laughs> but um just the 
the state of mind that goes into being an airbender, um, kind of the lifestyle. I mean, that's more what I aspire to be. I'm not capable of it, but that's what I would like to be. You aspire to be Monkey Yahtzee. Yes, of course. Don't we all? Okay. I'm with that. How about you, AJ? I'm going to go ahead and say that I, at this moment in time, I would like to be an earthbender because it is because it's my favorite style so far. And also, I love the idea, as we mentioned before, of everything being connected. And wouldn't it be cool if you could just, like, go out into the forest and, like, I don't know, flick your hands and, like, drag up, like, roots from the ground? And I don't know. That would, that would be so much fun. I want to cool. fuck up the earth. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thought that I have every once in a while watching the really cool earthbenders. I'm like, you know, it's, it's awesome that you can rip up these gigantic boulders out of the ground and hurl them at people. But isn't, aren't you creating craters everywhere you go? <laughs> you think there's like an earthbender crew that is like the divot replacement squad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do now. That's beautiful. I love it. All right. So as for me, I'm actually, we, we have three different ones right now. That's cool. Um, for me, it's waterbending. I've I've always been fascinated and wish I could learn Tai Chi and water bending is wow. very Tai Chi ish. Yeah. Um and I love the fluidity of the movements. I love the um versatility of it. I love the idea of carrying a like canteen of water that is yeah. your weapon yeah. with you. Um so I'm I'm a big I really like um water bending and I love the the fact that you can go full Iceman with it <laughs> if you if you get good with it. So I like I like it's kind of like you Paul and that I like like there's like a like a spiritual psychological side of the water bending that I really get into that I wish I could have that kind of fluidity of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just think that as a as a power it's 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 pretty neat. It's pretty pretty versatile and pretty cool. And I you know obviously what I really aspire to be is a swamp vine bender. But yeah yeah I figured that's why you picked the water bending. It's all about the swamp bending for yeah. me. You want to be able to stand on a the the bow of a leaf boat and spin your arms. Yeah, like a totally what I want. You, you totally want to you want a motorboat. That's what you want to do. I got gotcha. you. Yep. So I love that we all think earthbending is like is the coolest, but only one of us went with earthbending. And the other question I have is, does the fact that the Fire Nation, the, the fact that they're made up of evil douchebags, is that why none of us are saying we want to be firebenders? That's part of it. Part of it is also fire is scary, um, which maybe is a reason that I, you should want to be a firebender. And like like Paul said, I should want to be a waterbender because I cannot swim, um, so that could literally save my life. I I will say that I almost got swayed to firebending in the first time when Zuko and Azula fight, and Zuko makes like fire daggers mm-hmm, yeah. on his hands. That was like some Psylocke badass. Shit. And, <laughs> I totally dug that. So that he almost swayed me on that one. And I do. I mean, shooting lightning would be awesome. But I think that I'd only want to be a firebender if I could have blue flames like Azula. Yes. We didn't talk about that. I meant to talk about that in that episode. but wh- They never really explain, I don't think, why she has blue flames, except that she's just a badass. And <laughs> yeah. In the context of the show, I don't think they ever explain it. I did do some research because it was actually a question I had in my nose. I was like, do, why is her flame blue? And aside from the obvious reason that they wanted to be able to tell the difference between her and Zuko whenever they fight, um, uh, they they sort of write it off as that's evidence that she is like a firebending prodigy, that she's just so many levels beyond anybody else. She, she is really the top of firebending. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, 
Wow. Okay. I like this whole, uh, you know, what kind of bender would you be? I'm, I'm ashamed that we haven't been doing it this whole time. No, it's good. We'll, we'll check in a little later in the show, like maybe in a season or show. We'll see if things things have changed, if our opinions have changed. Because yeah. what my question is, is I don't know if my opinion will change in Avatar or not, but I give it a chance that my opinion may change going through Korra a second time. I don't know why, but there's a thought that I may change my mind in, during Korra. So that's okay. why I kind of wanted to do it now because I want to see if any of anyone else's opinion shifts as well. Okay. Yeah, we'll check in occasionally and see where we're at um, in our in our Avatar cycle. And uh, AJ, I'm, I envy you that you want to be an Earthbender because, I mean, obviously book two is called Earth and there's a lot of Earthbending coming up. You you get to see a lot of cool shit. Yay! So. Um. All right. I think we're probably good. We we painfully dragged that out to uh, nearly an hour. So I guess I'll let it go. <laughs> hey, I want I, I want to let you know that I I gave you some burned some time for you there in a really interesting way. So you, you did. I want some, I want some props on that. Good job, man. Good job. I'm right. I'm. Giving By the you... way, we painfully drug this out to an hour. Is how I feel after every <laughs> uh, recording session. <laughs> I, we just want our listeners to feel the same way we felt watching the Swamp Ending episode, which <laughs> oh, felt dragged out for an hour. <laughs> they feel that way every week. Ouch. Uh, one thing I think we need to mention before we go into our outro, Paul, is that you won't hear from us for a couple weeks. We're taking another mini hiatus. Right. Um, do you have... Let's see. Let me look at the calendar, see if I can give people an expectation. Is it really a couple weeks? Is that how it'll, long It'll be about two weeks. It's the uh, 16th is our next episode, I think. Yeah, December 16th. Yes. So I think it looks like there's going to be just a full week. Yeah. So when we break, we're, we are recording this one a little earlier than we usually do. Yeah. Say. And that's so just so we wouldn't be missing two weeks. So I don't know when this episode's going to actually go live to be listened to, but we will be taking a week off of our normal schedule. And then because I'm going to be out of town. I will be in San Francisco. And when I come back, we will be back for um, the middle section of season two. Well, actually, when you come back, we have one more episode for the year, and then we are off for a month. Are we? Yeah. We are. We, wow. we, uh, I guess we've adopted that from Gobbledygeek. Gobbledygeek always takes a, like the end of December and the first half of January off between seasons. I guess we've just applied that to... Look, I'm not going to be recording one show when I'm not recording the other <laughs> show, okay? I demand both shows off. I'm not getting paid enough. Right. Paul, this, this is Paul. This is the best Christmas present you've ever given me. A whole month away from you all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can feel the love, oh, man. Remember when we used to be writers and that was a thing? Yeah, that's what I, that, I think that that is actually writing, a, smart, a smart use of the month off. I think that avatars, the time that the avatar is taking a break, will be a time for the deli counter to rise Ooh. again. <laughs> okay, I used to be writing guy. <laughs> all right good note to go out on so uh thank you both of you for your um fascinating thoughts on the swamp and uh an avatar day uh and thank everybody at home for for following along with us as always you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on the website that's the avatarreturns.com and there's also links to it posted on our parent site uh gobbledygeekpodcast.com or just subscribe to the show in itunes every episode will be hand delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur monkey yahtzee 
Uh, you can feed that lemur by dropping us an email at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And we're always all over social media. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at haunt1013. Eric is at salon. That's S-A-A-L-O-N. And AJ is at unplugged crazy. So next week, we'll be discussing chapters 207 through 209, Zuko Alone, The Chase, and Bitter Work. Until then, remember, a torch is a nice prop. It's bright, dangerous, smells manly, but I'm not sure I could carry it off. 